Hey everyone, welcome back to Living Lunar. This is episode two. It's August. It's mid-August. This is the week of the full moon. The full moon was this past Thursday, August 15th. I uh, saw the full moon briefly between some clouds on the, the two nights when it was the fullest. It was pretty kind of interesting weather around here and um, the clouds kind of, there was a hole in the clouds and I looked up and the moon was there and I waved and that was pretty much all I got to see of the full moon this time around. But we always know it's there above the clouds. You always kind of feel it even when you can't see it, right? Something I've been thinking about lately is where does all that joy go, that like passionate, unbridled joy that you have as a child? Where does all that go when you become an adult and I think that it starts to disappear when you lose your sense of mystery what I mean by that is as a child everything is mysterious especially as like a little kid just everything happening around you is mysterious even if it's your mom goes to the kitchen and comes back and like where did she go she disappeared through some portal into another realm or whatever and the, the young ages these aren't necessarily stories that we consciously make up to tell ourselves meaning we are inside them and that's our view of the world we don't have enough information we don't have enough data to explain what's going on so our view of the world is this thing that evolves over time and at some point as we get older where we cross over that threshold of knowing the difference between oh, mom's gone to the kitchen versus somebody disappeared and reappeared. And we can certainly allow ourselves to believe that going through any kind of doorway is a crossing into a different realm. But we also know on a certain level that the mundane action of opening a door and going through it sometimes is just the mundane action of opening a door and stepping through it. <laughs> So at some point we lose this sense of mystery. I think it happens as we get towards the teenage years where we start to see the world in a closer approximation of, of what the adult world really is. And it's an age where we start to get taught really toxic things by society. Like if you are male presenting, if you, if you identify as male, but I think more crucially for this particular conversation, if you are a person whose society perceives as male and you therefore have all of the, the expectations that society has created around how a man is supposed to behave, then you quickly learn that having emotions as a man is a bad thing as far as society is concerned you know you're not supposed to show emotion and all that nonsense and then i think for women as you know, teenagers and young girls there's a lot in society where women are kind of gaslit by the patriarchy to see each other as a threat so women are taught to kind of by society to keep their emotions under control. Like on the one hand, you don't want to show a guy that you're into him because that might lead to something that you quote unquote don't want according to society standards. And you know, on the other hand, you're not supposed to show your female friends too many emotions because then they might be able to use that against you in the future. So we're all kind of conditioned to have these muted 
emotional responses and when i say we're all conditioned i'm not saying that we all fit into one or other of the gender binary i'm just saying that over culturally that's how it's presented to us so we're all kind of shown that we're not supposed to show our emotions for one reason or another and so we begin to develop these muted responses and we develop that kind of cavalier attitude of you know i'm too cool for school and yeah that's great but you know whatever and we kind of lose our joy because we lose the mystery we lose that genuine excitement and that connection with this is something that i wasn't expecting and here's my honest reaction to it and also in a lot of cases we're made fun of for having an imagination and part of being able to appreciate the mystery is having the imagination to see it in the first place this is something i've been thinking about a lot lately like as an adult where is the mystery you know you wake up to an alarm clock after getting too little sleep and you drag yourself to work and you're tired and you have things on your mind about you know paying bills and this thing and that thing and we don't have that time that we had as children to dream and yet we have a much bigger world to play in in theory anyway we have this much bigger sandbox where like as an adult i could go to italy and experience something that i've never seen before or i could go to you know the i could go to utah in the winter and go skiing which i haven't done for a long time like the skiing part I've never been to Utah. My point being, as an adult, in theory, we can do all these things, but if we're not present to see them, if we're not available to receive them, if we're not here to appreciate it, then we'll never be able to experience it. And part of being here is being able to be open and vulnerable in that way to experience emotion genuinely and to display it to other people and to show that we're engaged with our life in this open way this is something that's part of the attraction of druidry to me and it's not so much like the thing that you would immediately think of is like the mysteries of druidry and the kind of idea of some of those big ceremonies that happen at different points in the year and thinking of you know the imagination that goes into that and the fun that that can be that's certainly an aspect of it but on a day-to-day -day basis in druidry just taking a walk down the street like the street outside my office taking a loop around the building and seeing like trees growing in those little planters in the sidewalk and recognizing that you know there's a bird sitting in the tree in the middle of this downtown space and allowing that to be something that's surprising that it's mysterious that how can this tree grow amongst all this concrete and pavement and yet there it is and it's sustaining life of this bird and to appreciate that for what it is without being jaded about it and you know being all nonchalant and you know too cool for school about it to, to stop and look at that and be amazed why is all that important well to me especially right now i think that state that we're in as children where we see things around us and we just accept them at face value because we don't have any other context 
I think it's an important state to be in because if you're not in that state, you can miss so many things by layering on the assumptions of the adult world. For example, I used to play in the forest a lot as a kid and you would feel things. You would feel like this area of the forest feels happy, this area of the forest feels sad or pensive. And as an adult, when you run into things like that, you start to tell yourself stories right away like, oh, don't be silly. That's not really true. You just think that because like this area of the forest is, is darker because the trees are thicker and not as much sunlight's coming in. So it makes you feel sad and you lose that connection because you're so quick to want to explain everything logically. And it's this reaction to how society has conditioned us that you know, we can't have emotion and we can't have empathy and we can't be connected to a place that we have to immediately explain everything. And if we catch ourselves thinking these thoughts that we have to have a way to get around them right away so that we can justify ourselves to society and make sure that we don't seem foolish in case anyone asks us what we're thinking in that moment. And that's why things like honoring the moon and working within a more sort of nature-based philosophy like Druidry has become so important to me these days because I think getting outside of what society has conditioned us to think over the years and getting back to that core that we had when we were kids I think is important to overcoming some of the problems that society has kind of given us. I'm working with depression and anxiety as a lot of us are these days and I have been for a large part of my life but it was only recently that I knew what to call it. It was only recently that I got some professional help and had it kind of quote-unquote confirmed professionally that that's what I'm dealing with. It manifests in all sorts of ways over time. It's different depending on the situations around me, but right now I am feeling a lot of, of this just sense of being checked out of things where I'll go to do something and then I'll look up and it'll be four hours later and that can happen when we're interested in something and when we're really engaged with it but in this case I'll be doing things that I'm not necessarily even really interested in doing I'm just doing them mechanically because they're familiar the things that I have done or things I used to do and I'll just kind of engage with it as a way to soothe my brain because it's something familiar and then suddenly four hours have gone by and then my you know whole evening is over and then it's time to go to bed and get up for work the next day while that does help manage the condition it's also not a great way to live because you're not really living in that sense you're you're just kind of going through the motions of living like from the outside it might look like you're having fun but inside if you're not really engaged with something and you're just distracting yourself then that's not really sort of healthy or productive and when I say productive I don't mean in the kind of overcultural, like producing something way that, that capitalism tells us that we should always be productive. I mean, it's not really kind of productive in the sense that it's not really conducive to us developing and growing internally if we're 
kind of shut off from everything and just operating on autopilot. So what I've been trying to do lately is just be more present in the things that I'm doing and be more intentional about what I choose to do. Some people call that mindfulness, but that word mindfulness has become a commodity itself. You'll see all kinds of mindfulness products like advertised on Instagram or certain types of Instagram accounts trying to push like mindfulness as a thing that will, you know, solve your problems like you know, here's a, here's a spoon to eat your soup with, here's mindfulness to solve your problems, which is obviously not really what mindfulness is, and that in itself, that way of viewing things can be harmful, that, you know, that sort of 10 ways to improve your life, or the one trick that'll bring you salvation, or whatever, is, is not what I'm talking about here, so, um, trying not to use that word but still kind of be aware that that's what some people would kind of define it as. The way that I've been working with that that's been helpful to me lately is I started at the at the end of the previous week or the beginning of the current week depending on how you want to look at it. I've been writing down the things that I would like to get done over the coming week over the next seven days and then putting down some approximations of how much time I think I should spend on each item. Like if I think, you know, cleaning a few rooms in the house is going to take an hour, then I'll put an hour next to it. If I think that recording an episode of the, the podcast might take a couple hours, I'll put a couple hours against it and then figure out like how much kind of free time do I have during the week outside of like work and any other obligations and just seeing kind of where those things add up and then putting in things, even things that you wouldn't necessarily think you should put down, like if you want to spend some time reading, I might want to spend, you know, two or three hours reading, I'll put that on there as well. And then as the week progresses, I can either check items off if they get completed, or I can write down how much time I spent on them. And that's been really helping me to be more present, because each day, like when I get home from work, the first thing that I do is kind of pull out that that journal as it were and look at what I wrote down that I wanted to do and look at the things that maybe need to get done more so than other things like cleaning the house might be more of a need than sitting down to read for example but I can kind of pick and choose with how much time I have left in the week and how much time I have on there of things that I need to do and you know maybe I just don't feel like cleaning the house on that particular day so I'll read for a bit knowing that I have time left in the week to be able to do these other things and you know some things might be time-based as in they need to happen on a certain day and time and then obviously I kind of have to do those things but I'm finding that it's so much better than than a straight calendar system because when you want to do something that's a bit more abstract like you just want to read for a couple of hours you're not going to like schedule a block of time on a given night like on Thursday between 6 to 8 p.m. I am reading and nothing else can interrupt that that just creates huge stress for me when something inevitably does interrupt that or if I get to Thursday and my eyes are tired and I just don't feel like looking at like a page or a screen then you know I don't have to do that but if I have a more traditional calendar with time blocked off then it just ends up getting weird really quickly 
So this different way of looking at things has been helping me. And I've been using a journal that just has dotted pages. I'm not really using like a bullet journal. If anybody's familiar with the bullet journaling system, I'm not really keeping a bullet journal as defined by that system, but I'm using the journals that have dotted paper because I guess I'm so used to using like lined paper to make notes and things that it's a different visual cue having the dotted journal and then I have been using some elements of the bullet journaling system occasionally so it's nice to be able to slot those in where needed. Well I think this has been more of a stream of consciousness episode than I necessarily intended to put together or would typically want to put out but this is where I am right now just thinking about a bunch of different things um, I'm looking at all of my geology coursework right now and realizing I need to seriously organize all that I got so behind I just kind of gave up in disgust but as I think I said in the previous episode that I've heard a lot of podcasts where People have taken three years, five years, seven years, ten years to get through one of the OBOD juridic grades. So I guess I need to be less frustrated with myself and, and just kind of put together a bit more of a plan to get back into studying properly. For the next episode, I want to return to this back to innocence theme. I have some things that I've been trying myself practically that have been helping refocus my attention away from that immediate adult world reaction and back to more being in kind of flow with the surroundings and, and just letting things come in. So I'm going to talk about that a bit more next episode. Thanks everyone for listening. Together we're going to evolve this thing into something a little bit more structured and a little bit more informational. So I appreciate it if you stick with this and you know, subscribe and all those kinds of things. You have a good next couple of weeks and we'll see you around the time of the new moon.